This episode of Las Chicas del Crime contains explicit content not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hola, you are listening to Las Chicas del Crime, a podcast where tres amigas sit down and talk all true crime for Hispanic and American crimes. Okay. Aquí vamos. Um, a little bit of warning. The photos are graphic and the story is a little bit graphic itself. So, um... Wait, who are we? Number I'm one. Osa. I'm, I'm Kat. <laughs> and I'm Jen. <laughs> All right. So, why don't we always do that? Literally every episode. Um, <laughs> All right. Y somos las chicas del crime. Yes. So, mi gente, mis ladies, las chicas, vamos. So, my case takes place in my um, beautiful country of República Dominicana, uh, Dominican Republic. And um, our victim is, name is Jose Rafael Llenas Aybar. Um, he was a 12-year-old boy who lived in Santo Domingo, which is the capital of Dominican Republic. <clears throat> so, in this story, we're going to find out about how Jose ended up taped up stabbed 34 times and dumped into mm. El Arroyo Lebron, which is a wow. creek. Uh, yeah, so for those of you who don't know, Un Arroyo means a creek. Um, all right, so Jose came from a pretty wealthy family. Um, he was normally uh, said to be very happy, smart, and pretty bright. Um, just would light up any room, pretty much. Um, typical 12-year-old boy, you know, very uh, vibrant and outgoing. Um, he liked to hang out with his friends and was a pretty good student. Um, it was said, actually, quick fun fact, um, this, his family, the um, Ibads, they actually live like two blocks away from where my mom used to live. Um, wow. And in Malecon, yeah. Not the house that we have there now, but years ago. Um, so my mom actually knows this family. <clears throat> well, my family knows their family. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So far, every single episode that we have done, kind of like, it's so relatable to yeah. us in our lives back in our country. It's yeah. Crazy. It's weird, right? It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I love it. <laughs> because I feel like we don't even, like, try pick cases for exactly. Like, it just happens. Yeah. Like, oh. Yeah, I'm going to actually get to that. How this all happened and how I figured that out. I'm going to add that into the end of the story. <clears> so <throat> stay tuned for that. Tidbit. We will wait. We will wait. We'll be here. <laughs> oh, guys, that was for the listeners. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> so on May 3rd, 1996, um, Jose calls his mom to ask him if he can hang out with some friends. And as usual, she said yes. Um, so throughout that, later in the afternoon, his cousin, Mario, um, comes in. And Mario's like his older brother almost because Jose was the only child. So Mario's his cousin, and he's more like a brother. And pretty much Mario and Jose did a lot of things together. Um, they're pretty much inseparable. Um, they Their age difference is kind of large. I mean, um, Jose's 12, like I mentioned, and Mario's 19. So uh, it's kind of dangerous in a sense because, you know, he's pretty much a legal adult, and he's hanging out with a 12-year-old. But anywho, so being the fact that... But I... <laughs> Huh? But I feel like at that time, I, I hope this comment doesn't turn around and bite me in the ass at, at the end of the of the episode. But like, 
I feel like I remember I was really young and I would hang out with like That's my why teenage I'm brothers. <laughs> uh, I mean, my teenage uncles. And like, they were always, I was always with them. Like, and I was, uh, one of my uncles actually didn't even like, almost didn't get married because they thought that I was his daughter. And because he had had me so young, they lied about it. Oh, yes. But I was always with them. Like, I was always, with, people literally thought I was his daughter. But, I mean, I wasn't 12 either, but I just feel like it's just not as uncommon. It's not necessarily uncommon, but I'm just saying, like, the age difference, you know, like, this is a 12-year-old kid, so he can be getting into who knows what with a 19-year-old, especially in DR, because at 19, you're pretty much able to do lo que sea, so there's no restrictions. That's the only point I was getting at, but I mean, yeah, we all have, you know, the older cousins and stuff. It's not un unknown for you know younger cousins to hang out with them a lot and stuff so especially like look up to them yeah it's not too bad you like them but you know then again we got into shit we should have been doing early on so there's kind of but anyways moving on <laughs> <laughs> so mario um calls um his mom Irma, to ask her if um jose can go to la plaza de la bolera because um, apparently Jose had called Mario to ask him if he can take him with his friends. So Mario just wanted to double check and call his mom and make sure it was okay. So Irma said yes. And so Mario and his friend Juan Manuel Moline dropped Jose off. Um, and once they did, they called Irma to let her know. But they also kind of let her know that there was somewhat of a suspicious crowd when they, lo- when they dropped Jose off. So um, he was like, I'm just letting you know um, in case anything um, he was with some kind of sketchy people, which I found that to be a little sketchy because it's like, if you feel it's suspicious, why are you leaving him there? They don't. Right. Right. Makes no sense. So hours pass and Edma starts to worry um, because Jose hasn't really made it home yet. Um, he hasn't called. He hasn't anything. There's no sign of him at all. So she calls Mario to kind of check up and see, hey, what's going on? Have you picked him up? You know, do you know anything of him? And Mario said he hasn't heard anything so I guess within a few hours the whole family just started looking for him you know they they, they alerted the authorities and, and what have you and kind of just started um, being on high alert for him well it turns out that the next morning uh, May 4th some of the locals near El Arroyo Lebron um, reported that they had found a body and it looks like shortly after the authorities had reported him that unfortunate unfortunately excuse me um, it did identify to be Jose Rafael Llenas Aybar. Wow. He was found with 34 stab wounds in the back and a slash to the jugular. Ouch. But like why 34 though? Mm, Not that should be any you know, but right. Damn. Good thing you asked. I'll, I'll get into that um, later, actually, because there, there is a reason why it's specifically thirty-four. But uh, yeah, I found that to be strange. So what the hell happened here? So it looks like um, once the authorities approached the scene, um, they didn't really find much evidence there, but they did happen to find a piece of paper that was folded up, um, really close to the body, and in the on the piece of paper there was a phone number. Um, but they didn't have a name or anything. It was just like a random phone number. So because it didn't have a name or anything like that and just a piece of paper, they just kind of like shoved it away into evidence and didn't really think much of it right away, which if I was the detective, that would have been the first thing I did was call the phone number on that piece of paper. But, you know, not everybody thinks that way. Um, Of course. 
<laughs> not everybody has common sense. Yeah, right? common sense is not so common sometimes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's very true. So <laughs> this is where things start to kind of take a turn and, and things take a turn very quickly into the story. There's also a lot of turns. So uh, if you guys get confused, just let me know. As the authorities are, you know, kind of cleaning up the scene and prepping everything to take him over to the coroners to get the autopsy and all that stuff underway. Um, there seems to be somewhat of an intervention, um, like between the process. I don't know. It, there's not any, like any of my sources, there's not really a clear explanation as to what exactly happened. Um, like who called the order, who called the shots of whatever kind, but apparently they were told to take the body somewhere else. Um, so what eventually happened, um, what they found oh, okay. out, what they happened was that the body was actually taken to be cleaned up and stitched up and embalmed. And they like washed him and everything. And mind you, this before the autopsy? Yes. So by the time he pulled up, by the time they got him to the coroner's office, um, and you know, they were about to do the autopsy, the coroner was like, Well, what the fuck? I we can't do anything here like he's pretty much ready for his funeral like he was ready to go um the clothes that they found him in were gone every like the original evidence and everything like that was gone so when he approached the coroners there was like no trace really to find out any dna possibly or anything like that of who could have been his assailant um so and the thing, the really hard part about this is that in Dominican Republic, it's pretty quick process. Like, you know, once you do like the autopsy and all that stuff, it's not like we're here where they leave you for, in the freezer for like a week or so before your funeral. Like you don't really have an option. It's like once you already go through the process, you're ready to go. Your funeral's in like two, three days. Boom, boom, boom. And so- Yeah, I run very quickly. Exactly. So, which I'm sure, you know, Colombia or Mexico is probably similar to that because obviously they don't have the luxury we have here of freezers for days. Um, But so with that said, they didn't really have much of a choice but to continue on with the regular funeral, like, you know, arrangements because there's really not much of an autopsy investigation they could do at that point. So, so I'm sorry to cut you off, yeah. but I just want to confirm there was no ab- autopsy done to him? No. They oh, couldn't. Wow. Well, yeah, but wow. Yeah. So obviously oh, this goes to show that there's obviously some sort of control being done here to where they wanted to keep this quiet of some kind. So automatically some of the, you know, um, investigators and and the detectives and stuff are already kind of uh, tipped off that there's something going on here that's not right. So with that said, back to the story real quick. Um, With the funeral going on and everything, uh, Mario and his friend Juan Manuel were still there helping the family, um, you know, kind of go through the process of everything, grieving, crying, searching, whatever. They were pretty much there the entire process. Which... I find kind of messed up because boom, boom, boom. Here's where shit gets really good. After after a few days of the um, after the funeral, excuse me, the cops continue the investigation and they they remember of um, the piece of paper uh, with the phone number. So they go back to that lead and go back to the phone number and come to find out that that phone number belonged to Kimberly Cartas, 
which is the girlfriend of Mario's best friend, Juan Manuel Molines. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a big kahoot. Right. So once the authorities figured out the relation between Kimberly and Juan Manuel and Mario, it was kind of starting to piece together that this was the people that had seen him like the very last. Mm-hmm. So um, come May 5th, once, you know, they Kimberly confesses to her relation to them and all that stuff and the authorities put the pieces together, uh, Mario and um, Juan Manuel confessed to killing Jose Rafael. Wow. Here is where shit goes super left. Juan Manuel starts to get super, super, like, um, nervous about things and starts to blame Mario for pretty much everything. Um, and this story was a little hard for me, side note. It's a little hard for me to report because a lot of my information came from the actual trial video. And unfortunately, it was in Spanish. Um, not unfortunately, but the translation um, would have taken me way too long to actually use a lot of what was said. Translation from Spanish to English, y'all know it's a little crazy. So um, it was kind of hard for me to cover everything in detail. So I'm going to do my best to, you know, tie it all together. Um, I tried to get all the details, the important details that I possibly could. And Red was really quick to kind of turn it around and blame Mario for everything. Um, and he was real quick to say that he didn't help, like, actually killing him. That the only thing that he was doing was, like, helping to hold him down. So obviously you're a fucking part of it. You're an accessory to murder, Pendejo. So there's that. Right. But <laughs> he's straight up trying to say that like um he had nothing to do with it, that it was on Mario, blah blah blah. So this is, you know, at the forefront of everything. Mind you, like I said, these kids were seriously at this boy's funeral crying him you know, helping search for him, literally completely acting as if they have nothing to do with this crime whatsoever. That's crazy. Wow. So Meanwhile, yeah, holding him down. Uh, yeah, exactly. So here's what the authorities were able to piece together from their investigation of what happened that night on May 3rd, 1996. <clears throat> it's obvious Mario and his friend Juan Manuel were the last ones to see Jose alive. But why that was, we kind of know, but don't really know. Um, Turned out to be a little rough to find out. Um, Anyway, so Mario and Juan Manuel eventually confessed to the fact that their actual intention was to kidnap him um, and ask for a $10,000 or 10,000 peso ransom. Wow. Um, Right. Like. Why are you kidnapping your own cousin to ask for a 10,000 peso ransom? That doesn't even make sense. Mind you, these people are wealthy. Like, they don't need money. They're wealthy. So it just doesn't make sense. So Mario... Right. Mario says that um, because they were so close, he knew that Jose Rafael wasn't really going to question him about anything. And he knew that he was going to be trusting of him. So he knew that it was going to be easy for you know him to get the ten thousand and all that stuff, so he was thinking that this was going to be like an easy way to get the ten k and give the kid back and just move along, right? Well, obviously that's not what the fuck happened, and why that was. Here we go. So they kidnap him and they have him in the car for 
said between anywhere between one to six hours is from what I found on the reports, which is kind of a big gap from say one to six hours, but they were going to Juan Manuel's house and the the plan was to keep him hostage at Juan Manuel's house. But Jose started to get really uneasy and just was moving around a lot and was like really uncomfortable and asking a lot of questions and just obviously annoying the shit out of them. Duh, he wants to find out what the fuck's happening. Right, him. where are you taking me? What right. is happening? Exactly. What is going on? I any 12-year-old, like right, any 12-year-old is going to be uncomfortable or something like that. So, right. they eventually ended up tying him up with duct tape and locking him in the trunk of his car. Wow. Then, wow. after doing so, they got started, they got back in the car and they started driving around with pretty much no destination. They were just kind of moving along and just trying to I guess figure out what to really do with him at this point because it's kind of like well our plan isn't necessarily going the way we wanted it to right right so as they are driving they pull over next to El Arroyo and that's where Mario and Juan Manuel get out of the car and they open the trunk and they're like, well, what should we do? They're trying to figure out because they're like, well, if we let him go now, he's going to let everybody know that it was us that had him kidnapped and all that stuff, right? So Mario yeah. looks at Juan Manuel and goes, La droga matar? Do you dare to kill him? And Juan Manuel said, oh, wow. he confessed in, in the hearing, he was like, I just froze. He's like, I didn't know what to do. He's like, I couldn't believe he was asking me to do this. So what I guess with his hesitation and him not being able to, you know, answer right then and there and tag along and be like, yeah, let's go kill him type of shit. He said that like Mario just like flipped a switch and just immediately went into like savage mode and just started slashing him and just stabbing him on the back. Wow. Which if you obviously, um, you know, take that into consideration is not obviously normal. I did, did some psych examination. And um, I got a little of sociopath, dissociative personality disorder, and borderline personality disorder. Now, I'm not entirely professional just yet, so I'm sure there's a lot more in there that I've missed, but those are the main three that I came up with. Um, So obviously, there is a lot of mental disorder coming on along here. If you can just seriously kidnap your cousin for $10,000 ransom and out of nowhere, just start stab it and shit and just doesn't make sense right yeah right so then um basically after this happened Mar- uh, Juan Manuel said that he was like still kind of frozen and he really couldn't just move and then kind of after like snapped out of it and then he said that Jose was resisting and like trying to fight back and stuff like this so Mario was getting even more aggressive so he said that in efforts to try to calm Mario down that's when he held Jose down because he was like well if I make it easier for him maybe he'll calm down and kind of ease up on the boy type of thing that obviously didn't work because with Juan Manuel holding him down it killed him so apparently at the last part where Mario realized that his stabbings weren't like just doing the job quickly, that's when he cut him in a jugular. And that was the way that he officially died, according to Juan Manuel's confession and testimonies. So that's one side wow. of the story. <laughs> right. Very crazy, super like 
the entire time I was reading the story and listening to everything, I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, this doesn't even make sense. These two sound like they're high as shit. God knows what they were fucking getting into. And then eventually just backfired and killed this poor little boy for no fucking reason. Um, Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it was just... Yeah, it's it's so crazy. Like, anyway, so back to the story. Um, uh, damn it, I lost my note. I lost my spot. In my notes. Uh, oh, that's the worst. Okay, I found him. So <laughs> I'll have to count that out. <laughs> so then Mario then confesses to his crimes, and his confession was like super easy, super quick very little detail but just confessing to everything it was very cold very just blank like yeah i did it this is how i did it blah 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 blah. all right i'm done versus juan manuel seemed to have a little bit more empathy and kind of more regret but mario's confession was very cold and just super quick and he was just kind of like i don't give a fuck type of thing so basically his confession was that they pulled over to by el arroyo they opened the trunk and that's when he didn't really think twice before killing Jose and just started stabbing him. Um, he didn't really touch much on asking Juan Manuel if he was willing to kill him or anything like that. He basically just said he was the one that just kind of reacted and just started stabbing him. He said that he kind of felt like something just went over him and he blinked out and just next thing you know, Jose was dead. Um, so at that point, that's when him, Mario and him kind of just freaked out and dumped him over of the, wow. of the bridge. Mm-hmm. So after this confession, Juan Manuel did get a sentence of 20 years and Mario got a sentence of 30 years. Um, and I know that seems kind of low. Um, and I did some digging as to why they only got 20 and 30 years. And apparently in Dominican Republic, the maximum sentence you can get for any crime is 30 years. Like, it doesn't matter what you do. That's the maximum sentence. And they don't have, like, an electric chair or anything like that. Um, the death penalty. Yeah, they don't have anything. Um, would it be because, like, the, the jails and prisons that they do have is because um, they're overpopulated? Um, you know, I didn't necessarily, I should have looked into it too much. And that's actually kind of on my bad, but it said, no, it's okay. It said, sorry. It said more. So it was actually more of a religious reason as opposed to anything else. Okay. Dominican Republic is a very, very, very Catholic dominant country. So their beliefs are very traditional and very against certain things. Um, remember my, against everything. Yeah, pretty much against yeah. abortion, against this, everything. against todo. But not like people listen to any any of that shit anyways but um so because of that they it was said to I, believe huh i was i'm gonna let you i just need a, a a quick check on who's who real quick i feel lost so i'm gonna let you finish what happened what do you mean i like juan manuel is the cousin no mario's a cousin juan manuel was the best friend so mario oh, okay. yeah mario who's the cousin and the actual killer got to 30 years and juan manuel the friend got 20 years because okay. of being the accomplice so okay. um i'm gonna do some more digging onto why exactly dominican republic only allows 30 years but i the only thing i really found was more mm-hmm. so because of the catholic beliefs that's really all i found um Which i can understand makes yeah, sense. i can understand but i could also be missing something there so if anybody's listening to me i'm sorry um I'll do more research on that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> next time. Right, right, right. So 
however, though, things didn't stop there. Um, people weren't pleased with that. They said that this wasn't enough, like something else needed to be done and blah, 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 blah. Well, also, also, it looks like after they were sentenced, they, I guess, either were changing their story or had more to say. I'm not sure. But more reports came out that Mario had then implicated the ambassador of Argentina. Wait, can you guys hear me? ambassador of Argentina and her husband. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mine, it yeah. broke off and I'm here. So sorry. Oh. Which part No, you're you... fine. Not here. Oh, okay. So he implicated the ambassador of Argentina. Um, her name is Teresa Mesia de Palma. And he also implicated her husband, Luis de Palma, and their son, Damn. Martin de Palma. Um, he's, yeah. Um, which I found kind of weird. I'm like, why are you implicating from a, a whole other country? Here you go. Right. Exactly. So I was also asking myself, how the fuck do they even know each other? I'm like, so two random ass kids just know the ambassador of Argentina and her whole fucking family. Right. I'm like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it looks like Mario and Juan Manuel and Martin, which is the ambassador's son, all went to high school together and they became good friends um, over time. Um, along that, it seems like Mario quickly learned that Martin, the ambassador's son, was wrapped up in this really fast-paced, lavish, luxury, drugs, fast cars type of life. You know, I mean, you're a kid in, in this type of elite world type of thing. Obviously, you're going to have all the nice stuff. So Mario was really infatuated with that, and he really wanted to kind of I guess, be accepted into the higher um, scene. Again, he is also wealthy, so it's not like he's wouldn't necessarily get accepted into that. But then this is where I don't understand. He, I guess maybe he wanted his own money or whatever, but he asked Martin to initiate him into his drug oh. trafficking business. Now, this is the ambassador of Argentina's son who is drug uh-huh. trafficking. Wow. Yeah. So Martin... So the usual. Of course, right? But it also starts to make you wonder, it's like, okay, well, that's the ambassador's son. Is she in on it? Does she know? You know what I mean? Like, is he? are they helping each other? Because you never know. Uh-huh. These people are super corrupt. So, um, with that said, uh, Mario starts to ask, kind of like, what do I need to do? And Luis de Palma, which is the father, starts to give Mario instructions. Um, and he says that um, the one of the ways to get initiated into like doing, you know, what they get into and all that stuff is by um, kidnapping mm. kids and like kidnapping like elite kids and mm. stuff like that. Okay. So I'm like, like, what does that have to do with drug trafficking? But yeah. So then Lewis proceeds to give them a list of various um, kids' names. And by the way, this is out of the testimony of Juan Manuel um, that I got this information. Correct. So Lewis proceeds to give them names of kids that they're supposed to kidnap and essentially ask the families for ransom for. Um, and I'm not, I don't know if this is like a hazing thing they have to do to show their loyalty or if like these drug traffickers are actually doing this shit, but don't really see the point of kidnapping and drug trafficking, but... I don't know. So he, yeah, he gets the names for him and Mario and he's looking over them and he's like, yo, like the names of these kids, these families are far-fetched. Like there's no way for us to even get close enough for them, for their kids to be around us type of thing, blah, 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 blah. So Lewis was like, okay, so how do we fix this problem? Because 
you know, it's either this or you guys aren't going to get in type of shit. So that's when they thought of Jose. Wow. Mario's cousin. And God forbid they could think of, like, not joining. Right? I mean, duh. You're the big idea, right? So all of a sudden, the poor Jose gets thrown into this mix. Because Luis was like, oh, well, you know, that's your cousin. That's, that'll be easy access. You know, you guys are close. No one's going to question it. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, 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 yada. Lo and long behold, that's kind of exactly what the fuck happened. So, right. Here goes that. Um, so after they agreed that Jose would be the victim here, um, Mario, Mario then jumps in under the confession and claims that the ambassador Teresa de Palma was the one that handed him the further instructions on like the full what to do, like the A to Z type of thing. You're going to start from here, type of whatever, a map. So the ambassador gives him super specific instructions on like the, where they're supposed to go, um, where the hostage site is, um, you know, the beeper code and this stuff. So the hostage site was supposed to be the um, Palmo's farm. Yeah. So we're going to take them to La Finca and I guess like keep them, you know, there because it's quiet and no one's going to question anything. No one's going to hear anything if anything pops off. So that's where they were going to hold Jose hostage until they got to the ransom. Well, here's what makes it suspicious is that La Finca de las Palmas is actually not too far away from El Arroyo or where Jose was found. Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, very interesting. At this time, remember, this is 96. So we didn't have cell phones yet, y'all. Remember that? We had beepers. I mean, granted, <laughs> I was three, but that was beepers. Me too. <laughs> I definitely remember yeah. Beeper, though. Beeper and the payphones. Oh, my God. I, I used to believe. call my dad. My dad used to have a Beeper, you guys. And I used to call the operator all the time for non-emergencies and just tell the operator to, like, tell my dad to call home. And he would, call, he would then have to go find a payphone to call me. And he will get so mad because he's having to call me off the payphone for not an emergency reason. And I used to get in so much trouble. <laughs> Oh my god, it's crazy to think that that's how, like, you know, when you go out, that at that time, that's how you would communicate. You'd have to have your 50 cents or 25 cents, however it was, for the payphone. And now it's Uh, just like, you know, but no. Right? (laughs) Wow. Right. Crazy, crazy. I don't feel that old, but when you look back and and see how much things have changed and quickly, it's just like, damn dog, what the hell? No, we're kind of old. I mean, yeah. I mean, I just turned 27, so I don't feel that old, but... We're first year old. It's getting there. I mean, I feel like when it comes to, like, technology and stuff, we're old. Yeah, we, we saw that grow up from yeah, the ground. Yeah, we saw different eras of that, for sure. Dial-up. I remember <clears throat> having to put a pillow over our <laughs> dial-up thing so my mom wouldn't hear us getting onto AOL at night. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, sneaky little oh, thing. I was like seven. Who the fuck was I? I okay. She just <laughs> took me back to the to the past um, with the dial up. Jesus. No, you, couldn't you have to like the same time. Get off the phone. I'm trying to get on the internet. <laughs> For real. Oh my god, we didn't even have call waiting. Oh my god. Oh no, no. Or mm-hmm. ID. Yeah. 
or nothing. Guys, we didn't even have area codes back then. Well, I was in Colombia, I guess, then, but uh, that's weird. How did uh-huh. you call? Okay, well, maybe you guys had area codes, but we didn't have area codes. It was literally just like the phone number. The well, just think of the phone number without the area code. <laughs> I never knew that either. Wow, I am. I did not know that because in Mexico, you never, you don't have really an error code. You're just five five and then uh, a set of eight more numbers. Yeah, no, yeah. Here it was just. I mean, my old phone number was six nine five one nine zero eight. So that was well. I guess now I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I guess it was because back then we could only dial locally, so there was no need to try to. Call out, and that's why the area code is yeah, needed because you need... you're telling the phone to call out of the local area, which makes you're sense. right. You're so that's smart. Crazy. You're right. Dennis Rasson. That's why we needed a calling card back then. <laughs> Scratching with the corner. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. That was a nice trip so... to the past. Thanks. So. <sighs> <laughs> for real i'm sure our <laughs> listeners will enjoy that we just aged ourselves um <laughs> back to the story. so mario and juan were given a beeper um and they were told that you know if anything went wrong or what have you that this code of 666 was going to be sent to them and that if they got that code that that is where oh. they were supposed to kill the boy and dump the body oh and that Wow. Yep. And that after and that after did that, that they would be in charge because since it was close to La Finca, they would just, you know, be able to come scoop it up and do whatever they were gonna do. But that's not exactly what happened there. Wow. Um, but yeah, so now here's the craziest thing. Remember that piece right. of paper with the phone number on it, right? That is literally the only piece of evidence that tied them to this crime. So without that phone number, they would have never known that Mario and Juan were the ones. Wow, and they shoved it under the rug at first, like, oh, who cares about this little piece of paper right now? It's nothing. Uh Uh-huh. And Uh it was dun-dun-dun. Right. Exactly. It was everything. So I just want to make note of that because it's just crazy to think of, you know, like the turns of this situation. And then at the end of the day, really, the only thing that tied them at all was a piece of paper that was about to get thrown out. So I just thought of that, too. I was like, and to think of that paper. (laughs) Sorry, that was kind of a side note. Um, So here's where shit gets really annoying, though, and kind of irritating. So because of this, um oh excuse me because of the fact that they were an ambassador family they mm, had diplomatic of immunity course. of course so even after yeah even after mario had given the confession they couldn't investigate the family themselves because they had immunity so that's the part that sucks however though they still get caught because <laughs> dun 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 a Dominican journalist had gotten invited to a dinner party the night before, or not the night before, the month before, right? And he was like, I'm not really sure what what this dinner party is for, but I'm going to find out and we'll see what's up. I hear it's about this new religion that's coming to the island. We want to find out and kind of give everybody some perspective of what's going on, right? 
So the guy goes and he's enjoying his dinner and enjoying dinner and they're having conversation, blah, 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 blah. And the next thing you know, he starts hearing about like some satanic cult type shit. And they're like, that's some sacrifice must happen for all the blessings to come and blah, 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 blah. Well, the guy realized that the sacrificio that they're talking about was oh, wow. committing a murder. So in order, in order to, I guess, initiate whatever satanic ritual they were trying to do, that sacrifice mm-hmm. needed to be a murder. So being that this wasn't really a common thing, um, again, this is a very Catholic island. This, this satanic stuff is definitely not what they're into. He was like, well, I need to kind of warn my people that this is what's being brought to the public. You know, like we want to make sure my people are safe. So he kind of reports on it, releases a story. And this is released literally a month before Jose's murder. So, right? Like, it's just there's so many turning wheels in this story that's all happening at the same time and all of them end up leading to this little boy getting killed for and it's just kind of like well what relation it's kind of just kind of where do they cross where do they really make sense you know it was really confusing the entire story to i was aggravated because i'm just like but why like there's no concrete reason why this little boy died like there's none whatsoever yes correct right it was so So senseless so I got worked out there. So, um, anyways, so after Jose's murder and the story was released, people started to connect the dots and speculated that his his murder was, um, in fact, due to a satanic ritual that was commencing between the elites and the island. So, with that said, they started to piece together the evidence that they found with the story, the 666 code, the number of the stabbings, 34, which actually has a satanic meaning. Um, and then they had, yeah, they also had made note that the way that the boy was stabbed, um, also was like in a weird satanic pattern. So there was a lot of, um, clues leading up to confirming, you know, some of Mario and Juan Manuel's confessions about the, um, weird cults and the satanic rituals and things like that, that they, um, you know, that they were told about by the ambassador and her family, um, all while the ambassador and her family denied any allegations to any of this, um, any connections or anything like that. Um, However, the clues kind of led up to, you know, saying that they had something to do with it. Um, But here's where the confessions kind of get even deeper into, you know, like what this family is really doing um, because Mario then confesses that Luis de Palma was um, with a group of people that was forcing him to do sexual activities um, like orgies and stuff like that and he uh, frequently would involve himself with men and then at one point he um, Mm. pointed his gun to Mario and was like forcing him to get sexual and stuff like that with him so um, and all of that was supposedly under the satanic rituals that were supposed to be, you know, um, I guess for Mario to get into all this bullshit that they were doing. What is happening? What is that? Oh my god, what is that? What the fuck is that? 
Osa? Oh my god, that just scared me. <laughs> We're being intercepted. Do we hang up? Yes, I'm Hello? so sorry. Hello? Oh my god. I don't I don't have no idea what, what happened. What the fuck was that? Okay, well, we're gonna have to cut that out too. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it'll be the first and last time I fucking do a podcast on my mom's because obviously they don't, I don't fucking know what's going on in this house. Yo. Oh, now that you even say that. What did I just say, Jane? I was like, it sounds like we're being intercepted. That is fucking wild. Let's go on, please. And yeah, okay. I got the heebies. Mm. Hmm. All right. So, um, uh, let me go back to it. So, after basically put, piecing together certain pieces of the evidence, the 666 code, the number of stabbings, um, which 34 has a satanic meaning, um, and then, you know, the way that the stabbings were performed um, or done, I'm not really sure how that's properly worded, but they were in some sort of satanic pattern. Um, so they're leading to say that obviously, I guess at this point in the investigation, they were led to believe that yes, the ambassador obviously had some inclination to do it, especially with the other accusations Mario was giving them about the, you know, like the homosexual, um, activities and the orgies and the forcefulness and all that stuff that Mario was claiming Lewis was, um, putting on to him. So, yeah, it was a really bizarre story. This just it's kind of like, like a lot in one, like <laughs> yeah, but for real that you could think of in one. Like it involves politics. It involves was dirty politics. It involves family. It involves uh, homosexuality. Yeah. It involves everything. Mhm, mhm. Yep, sure enough. So after this, um, again, remember the family can't be questioned because they have diplomatic immunity. However, they're still able to search their home and stuff, being that the body was actually found close to that, which is another implying, you know, somewhat like, okay, maybe you did have something to do with this. So they were able to find, they were able to search the home. um, And in the home, they were actually found um, a lot of clues and evidence, again, within things that Mario had confessed. And, and within those things, they found um, satanic books um, that had a lot of weird texts and notes and instructions on how to do these satanic rituals um, with satanic tools. They also found black candles and black roosters um, that are used to yeah, do brujeria right. and santeria and all that stuff. Um, so unfortunately, again, without any um, incriminating actual like weapon, um, because this is another thing they never found the actual like knife that uh, Mario stabbed him with or anything like that. So without the incriminating weapon and things like that, there were certain things that couldn't be confirmed um, about the either the ambassadors or like if they were the ones that supplied the weapon, you know, and, and they were the ones that premeditated everything. Um, because even though it seems like they were, there's really no way to get proof of those things um, at this point. So the the investigators are led to believe that the ambassador's family did have um, some things to do with with this crime, uh, with the satanic rituals. Um, they don't necessarily believe that Mario's telling the whole truth about everything, but they do believe that they are intertwined some way. Um, 
there are also speculations though, which is I found this really to be really interesting that because of the disassociative personality disorder and borderline personality disorder, that there could be a chance that they actually um, falsified this story because Juan Manuel um, was really into writing like novelas and movies and stuff. So there's there's texts that they found in Juan Manuel's home of um, stories that he wrote, like novelas and like erotica that he would write. Um, so they're wondering, they, they there was never way anyone to confirm this, but they think that maybe this is one of those stories that they concocted and somehow it all just kind of correlated. Um, but there was really no confirmation of that, but it was a conspiracy that I found mm. along the way, which I thought that was pretty interesting right. because it is a possibility. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, now, all in all, the story didn't really make sense. I mean, both families had money. Mario didn't really need a ransom for anything. Neither did Juan Manuel. They were 18, 19 year olds. So it's like you just literally ruined your entire life and pretty much became professional kidnappers, it seems. Murderer. Um, <laughs> and, you know, another thing that doesn't, right. Another thing that doesn't add up is the clothes um, that just all disappeared. Even their clothes completely disappeared, never found, just disappeared. Um, all the evidence was lost except that phone number. Um, you know, any of the evidence that was actually collected from the crime scene, any of that stuff that was picked up was all lost. Um, the way the case was handled and all in all, it was just completely messy in Blake's space. I mean, the investigators... Um, not all of them would, you know, report all of the findings. Um, as you can see, the body wasn't even properly handled. The evidence wasn't properly handled. Um, some of the police had actual personal ties to the ambassador of Argentina. So it was speculated that they were also in on the drug trafficking. Um, so it was just, this case was just completely blurry, gray area, didn't make sense whatsoever. Um, and there's also the lawyer mentioned that there was a re they thought that Mario and Juan Manuel did this in terms of um, adding so much information and so much crap into their confession. So that way they would derail them and they would eventually not have a case. Um, but that obviously didn't work either wow. as they both rise to the crime. Anyways, um, <laughs> another fact that didn't make sense in the story was how quick the sentencing happened. Um, there wasn't too much of the investigation um, into Mario and Juan Manuel anyways. It all just seemed so fast. You know, even though they did confess and all that stuff, it was just kind of like boom, sentence, case closed. Um, so the, the public seemed to feel like that they closed the case just so that way, you know, to hide something so that they wouldn't get too far into the rabbit hole of the clues. Um, so that was another fact of the story that didn't necessarily make sense. Um, so all in all, um, Mario and Juan Manuel did a good sentence, um, but because of dip diplomatic immunity, the ambassador of Argentina and her family got cleared. So they fled back to Argentina and they were not able to be extradited back to Dominican Republic ever again to, for questioning, um, because of the immunity. Yeah. Uh, they also vanished <laughs> pretty much. Um, so there was that. Uh, so that's what happened in that case. Uh, unfortunately, Really not much justice. Yeah, for sure. One of them got 20, the other one got 30. But that's not really much justice for killing this 12-year-old um, and then in the way they did. Um, and unfortunately, 25 years later, Dominican Republic really hasn't recovered from this case, um, according to my grandma. She said that, you know, it, it's still every year with the anniversary 
um, comes around, the, the whole island kind of does like a remembrance and stuff like that. Um, she said that the island is not necessarily one of those places where these types of crimes happen, like violent crimes towards kids. Um, so it's been one of far and few, but one that people have never really been able to recover wow. from, apparently, she said, which is really sad. Um, I mean, the case itself is sad as hell, but it's even more sad that it's just, it took such a toll on people that, you know, they're, it's, it's going to be crazy that your grandma was like tied into this story. I know that was so cool when you told us. Yeah. I actually have, um, one more tidbit on that. Uh, she actually went to go visit a family friend um, in Najayo, which is the prison that Mario and Juan Manuel wore, were, <laughs> excuse me, I don't even say war, were locked up in. <laughs> um, so she went to go visit a family friend one day, and she said that when she opened, the, or when she walked up to the door, to the gate, to wait for somebody to open it, that oh, apparently the guy wow. that opened oh, it was wow. Mario. And she said that at the moment she wasn't recognizing him, but then in the second, like she kept staring at him and he felt like, I guess she was trying to maybe figure it out. And he <gasps> kind of was like, yeah, it's me. I'm the one. And he just like kind of walked away. And she said that at that moment, it finally clicked and she just froze. She said she couldn't even realize it, but that he was like being so nice to her and like this and that and being nice to everybody else around. And she was just like, it's, it seemed like he never did anything. Like he never oh, felt that he did crazy. anything. That's crazy how their mind works too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Super crazy. Um, I'm going to add all the resources. I found my information. And again, um, for our Spanish speakers, you'll definitely be able to get more detailed information on the case. Um, if you listen to the testimony, unfortunately, just really hard to translate everything. Um, as <laughs> some right. Spanish words don't have actual translation into English, <laughs> um, which is in part actually why it took me so long to finish this story. Um, that the making sure I was listening and understanding everything, and even then, I just tried to summarize it because it it is a really long case. Um, but I just tried to right. give the best parts of it, not really the the, good the part, most interesting you, you parts know what I mean. of it. Um, right, right. So, um, actually, because of the fact that this was 25 years ago, um, and Mario's, excuse me, Juan Manuel's sentence was only oh. 20 years, he has recently been released. He was released in 2018. Yeah, um, he was released in 2018. Um, and Mario should be released within the next, I think it's like six years or so. Pretty much, so. Um, finish that 30 year sentence that's crazy Mm -hmm. so yeah so that's my story on jose rafaeliana aybar thank you for listening to las chicas del crime we hope you join us next time for another episode full of crime y chisme give us a follow on all of our socials instagram facebook and twitter which we will list on the description of this episode Please also rate our show and leave us a review as that helps bring awareness to our podcast. We appreciate it. Gracias.